Hello, everyone. Welcome to What's Your Origin Story podcast. This is Alex, and today I'm here all by myself without Cindy. It's lonely. I don't like it. Um, but uh, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this episode, um, I'm going to put in a trigger warning. I don't, you know, I don't love that word, <laughs> um, but I'm going to put it in because I'm going to be talking um, about abuse. And um, if that's something that you're sensitive to or that triggers something for you, please tune out of this episode. Um, but I'm going to be talking about my backstory a little bit. I've told bits and pieces here and there, but not the full story. And I'm not going to tell the full story today, but we're going to talk about a piece of it because it is, well, that's what What's Your Origin Story is about. As always, just like with any of our guests, I ask you to reserve judgment and allow yourself to just listen and be taken by the story and not necessarily to cast judgments on anyone that's telling a story, not just me, but any of our guests that we have too, because I want to create a safe platform for people to talk about things they've been through and how that might've changed them for better or for worse, because we know that a life is made up of all those tiny moments, all those big moments that make up who you are. And so just give me that same grace that I ask you to give our guests, okay? Thank you so much. And we'll get started. This is a hard one. This is um, something I, I don't talk about a whole lot. Um, certainly people that are very close to me know, and my husband knows. My, my children know too, because it's not something I want to hide from them as well. But... Um, I, you know, I get a little leery talking about some of the story because I don't want to hurt anyone. And I know that talking about some of this does hurt my mother um, because she's in the story too. And I love my mother. I have, whatever I've gone through with her, I've completely forgiven her. I have no ill will in my heart. I have no hate. I have um, nothing, but it, for her, it's really hard for her to hear because there's a lot of guilt on her part, and I totally understand, and I, I don't. So mom, if you're listening, please tune out. I don't want you to necessarily get more hurt and angry of this episode. I love her. And um, you know, I acknowledge that the things in her life, like for everyone, made her the person that she was and what she was going through emotionally wasn't easy. My mother um, came here from Vietnam and she came from a very abusive background. Her parents were very, um, Physically and emotionally, I don't know how emotionally abusive they were. I certainly know that they were very physically abusive with her and caused her some injuries that have lasted her whole life. And um, I, I have some as well, <laughs> because you don't usually come out of those an abusive situation, grow into an adult and come out unscathed from that. And I know that as much as I have healed, I certainly have uh, some bumps and bruises that I have carried with me the whole time and certainly some injuries as well. So that being said, I'll get started. Um, and I, I want to do, so I have something written because otherwise I think I might just ramble and that wouldn't be fun for anyone. <laughs> um, but I do have something written down. I want to let you know that I am a Christian. So wait, 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 before you tune out and say, oh, I don't want to hear what they have to say. That's not necessarily what this podcast is about because we'll, we'll be talking to people that aren't necessarily Christian. Um, but I am, and it does um, factor into my thinking and the way I feel about things. And uh, anyway, 
just don't let that hold you back from the story because that's not what this story is about, but it does play a factor in there, okay? So my husband is uh, a writer. He is restless. He's a restless soul. He is, um, anyway, so he wrote, he's written a book about blessings and cursings and how the things in our life affect us, right? Whether we hold them close and we allow them to um, hang on us like a heavy coat, a curse, or we can, um, you know, hear something and it, it becomes a blessing because we hold that too. But we hold both things. Sometimes the worse outweighs the better things, right? And so, um, well, when I got married, you know, my husband had was sort of starting on this idea for this book, and he would, oh, you should do this prayer. And I, you know, um, I lived in Los Angeles for a long time. I worked for a um, a newswire company. I was senior editor, and you know, growing up in Los Angeles, it's a little hippy dippy trippy at times. I didn't grow up there, but I lived there for about seven and a half years. And I did a lot of spiritual work on myself. You know, it was something that I was always um, seeking because I knew that I had some baggage, right? I had probably a whole magazine, you know, stand of issues, <laughs> if you will. And so I, I made a diligent choice as an adult to work on those things from probably about the time of 19 on, because I was like, I just can't let any of this hold me back too much. Um, so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you should say this prayer because you, you know, whatever you need it. And I was like, yeah, no way, dude. Um, I'm good. I'm fine. You know, because hearing that from your husband, you're like, please give me a break. Okay. You got issues too, sir. And anyway, um, I'm going to get into the story. All right. So if it sounds like you're reading, it's because I am. All right. My husband brought up saying this prayer, what felt like hundreds of times throughout our marriage. I resisted because I felt like I had done the hard work on myself and I believed I was released from my childhood traumas and that I forgave those who cursed me and hurt me in my past. Also, he's my husband. Annoying. What does he know? Right, ladies? I mean, it felt a little self-righteous to suggest his own wife needed more releasing in prayers than he did. How dare he? But I do have a hairpin trigger. And I partially blame that on my being feisty. I've not had an easy life. So I told myself I needed that little scrappy, quick mouth to protect my inner soft, squishy bits. I'm a sensitive person. My mouth was definitely my weapon of choice. My mother often told me when I was young, other girls may be more beautiful or more talented. You cannot do anything about that, but they might not be more intelligent. That's your choice. I took it as a challenge and I took it seriously. I read voraciously anything and everything I could get my hands on. Knowledge was power after all. A large vocabulary and a quick brain and a quicker mouth is a very intimidating thing on a little girl. And I would use it like a sword. I could eviscerate almost anyone with just a few words. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs twelve eighteen. As I got older and wiser, I became more discerning with it and used it less and less. But there were moments when frustrated or tired or overwhelmed, it would come out so fast and as if on automatic that I would often not even recall thinking such hateful things. Literally, I was often shocked that such a concise, coherent thought could come out of my mouth when I didn't even remember thinking it. If you're thinking, girl, that was Satan coming out of your mouth, I'm sure if you asked anyone who I... I used my mouth on, they would definitely agree with you. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.1. It's true that hurt people hurt people. I feel like I needed to give some context um, where and why I felt like I needed that sword. 
I didn't know how to speak kindly to others or myself because those were not the words I heard when I was young. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perseverance in it breaks the spirit. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I'm a child of the 70s, not in a bra burning free love kind of way, but that I was born in the 70s and my mother's Vietnamese. My father is American and um, Native American. She grew up in Vietnam and had a very difficult childhood. She came here with my father, hoping to start a new life, but with her came all of her troubled baggage. I believe my mother did the best she could with what she had, but sometimes she didn't have much to give. She was physically and emotionally abusive. There were times I recall having um, her having my father uh, to go down to the corner store to buy bags of ice to fill the bathtub with for me to sit in to bring the swelling in my body down from her beatings. My father was a gentle soul, and unfortunately had no backbone. Though he never participated in the abuse, he also never stopped it. I recall an incident when I was on my hands and knees in front of him as a child, begging him to not let her beat me. I must have been about five years old. He did nothing. He would usually just leave the room or house while it was happening. I don't think he could stomach the violence. It got worse after they divorced when I was eight years old. I don't know what hurt worse, the physical beatings or if it was the verbal and psychological abuse. She would often tell me how much she hated me and that I was an evil child and that she wished she had aborted me. I would get berated and beaten if I didn't wash the dishes correctly or if I put the dishes away incorrectly or if I didn't do the laundry or have dinner ready or make lunch or breakfast for my brother. I mean, I didn't always have to make breakfast and lunch as a kid, but um, usually I made sure our lunches were packed <laughs> and I would cook dinner because she worked so much too. She would break in my room in the middle of the night in a rage and pull me out of bed to beat me for some unknown infraction. This went on for many years and continued to escalate. When I was 13, I moved in with my father for a year as the abuse with my mother had reached a critical point and I thought I might be safer with my father. He had moved on and moved away to another state and got married, but my stepmother was also abusive with me. Isn't that crazy? Don't people often do that? Don't they like move on to a new relationship only to find very similar person that they were involved with the first time? It's like um, they have a neon sign on them and they keep picking the same things, even though they're horrible for them, right? So he also picked a very strong-willed, abusive woman to marry. Huh, see how that works? I think it's when you don't acknowledge, maybe you just keep repeating the same patterns. Anyway, after an especially bad argument, she beat me up. That happened when I was 14. And I remember that we were arguing over child support because my, she was arguing that my father always paid child support. And I checked the mail. My mom was a single mom. Um, and I wasn't her only child. And my mother worked constantly. Like some of this um, stems from the fact that I think she was just so physically exhausted. Like how can you give anything when you are in emotional pain and you are physically exhausted? She worked like two or three jobs to put us through parochial school. Like I'll always appreciate all of the sacrifices, but some of that, you know, that exhaustion played into this, right? This abuse. And so I know that my father, cause I would check the mail. So he wasn't sending those checks because as soon as they would come in, she would have me call her at work and let her know that he had paid, which he didn't do. Anyway, so my stepmother stayed home from work one day and I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was, cause she had already punched me a few times before that. Um, but now I was uh, about 14 years old. And uh, so I, my friend, Jack, I'll never forget. Sorry, if you don't want to be mentioned, Jack. 
Um, he drove me home from school and I saw her car was still there because she would normally be at work. And I said, uh-oh. And he's like, are you gonna be okay? I said, I don't know. I might need a ride later somewhere. And he's like, okay. He's like, just come on over, knock on my window. I'm like, cool. So I went in the house and she was sitting there with my father because he had told her what I told him, like that I know you didn't pay child support, dad. I, I was there. I'm not angry about it, but it's the truth. Well, he must have felt some kind of way about it because she was there waiting. And <laughs> um, she started yelling at me, all these things, you know, like a normal teenager fight, right? But then um, she she swore to me like that I was the liar and I knew that I wasn't. And that was something that did infuriate me. I was like, how dare you? I am not a liar. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a liar. I wouldn't lie about that. And I'll never forget. And she said, Edward, leave the room. I'm going to beat the sh out of your daughter. And it was like my whole world went in slow motion. Uh, he got up, looked at me and left the room, shut the door behind him into his bedroom. And I don't know what happened to me that day, but it triggered a rage. And it, <laughs> I, I was so, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, it's one thing for my mother to beat me, but it's another thing for this stranger to do it. And in that moment, I swore to myself that nobody was ever gonna beat me again without a physical consequence. Like, that's just not what happens anymore. Like, so, and it was in that moment and she was punching me. She had grabbed me by my hair because I refused to look at something and punched me and I lost it. I lost it on her. I'm not proud necessarily, but I am glad I defended myself, but I probably didn't need to go off as um, bad as I did. Now, keep in mind, she is much older than me, right? Like I was 14 and I probably, I was tall, quite tall, probably about five, seven. And I probably weighed 110 pounds tops. I was very thin and very little, but quite strong. Cause I was very physical. You know, I did a lot of things. I was a ballerina, I was on swim team. I played soccer. I did all the things. And um, she starts punching me. And then, so then it, it was a full on scrap. I mean, like it was World War Three in that uh, mobile home. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't good. But when, so then they called the police, it got really ugly. Um, the police went, I had, I was such a nerd long story. We might get into this another time, but I left a note. And so when the police came to get me and they saw that, um, my, I was black and blue and I had a broken blood vessels in my eye and, um, I had a black eye that they, they were like, wait a minute, what happened? And it didn't turn out quite the way she was anticipating. Cause I was the kid anyway. Um, that happened when I was 14 and I never saw my father again until 30 years later on his deathbed. I was sent back to live with my mother. The abuse did not stop. When I was about 15, she tried to throw me out of a moving car in a busy road and I defended myself. That was the first time, I think, um, because I didn't want to die, right? And she um, was literally trying to throw me out. I hit her back hard because I, I wanted it to stop because she was just like this, you know. Anyway, she ended up breaking my jaw and I ran away that night. And child services got involved. And when they did the interview and all the other things, she was declared an unfit mother. And I went to live with my grandparents in Alabama. Eventually, as a young woman, I moved out of my mother's house and I did not speak to the family for years. I felt like I needed to get mentally healthy and that the only way I could accomplish such a thing was by taking a sabbatical from my family. It did help me come to terms with the psychological scars. There are twists and turns in the story, but I kept coming back because as any child can attest to, the love of a child for its mother is a curious thing that only the heart understands. 
I always came back believing her words, that she had changed, that she was better. There was a quote I found recently that I felt summed up this phenomena perfectly, and I don't know where I saw this or who it's from, so please forgive me. As a child that has been abused, they don't learn to hate their parents, but they learn to hate themselves. Truer words I've never known. All those years of abuse taught me that I, I was the problem, that I must be the horrible person because my own parents couldn't love me. All those curses were flung at me, I internalized, and I knew all those things must be true. I wish I could say that sums up my hard life, but it doesn't. More abuse followed at the hands of others. I raped, I had a few close family friends try to molest me as a child. All these things I reasoned were happening to me because I wasn't good enough or lovable or worthy. Sometimes it felt like I had a sign that screamed victim. Thankfully, I've always had a relationship with God and worked hard on forgiveness and moving past all those painful experiences. I didn't want to be anyone's victim any longer. I worked hard on getting emotionally healthy. It took many years, lots of prayers, faith, lots of self-help books. <laughs> but I felt like I got there. I have no hatred in my heart and I have a pretty good relationship with my mother. Fast forward to my current life. I am married um, about 20 years, mother of two boys, happy, still feisty, incredibly blessed. I have a loving, godly husband, healthy boys, and by all accounts, everything I could ever hope for. There's nothing I could want more or need, but that sword of a mouth was still lurking just below the surface. I reasoned it out by thinking that's just part of my whole feisty package. After all, given my past experiences, who wouldn't have had a bit of a temper? I mean, I knew I had some anger in there, but I didn't realize how much it affected my day-to-day -day because I'd already, as I'd already pointed out, now that I've forgiven all those people and the things that happened to me, I'm fine, right? You believe me, don't you? Sorry, not sorry. So uh, about a few years ago, my mother's in town staying at a house visiting with the grandbabies for a week. It's going pretty good as long as I don't bring up the past and why would I? I'm long over all that stuff. Wait for it. <laughs> It's Wednesday after school and the boys have karate practice tonight and we're just about headed out the door. My mom says something about the memories of she has taking my brother and I to um, jujitsu uh, when we're about my boy's age. She innocently asked if the boys enjoyed karate like my brother and me seemed to. She then casually mentioned that I would get the worst stomach aches every time before judo practice and would beg not to go and she laughed about it. It triggers something in me. I feel my sword get unsheathed, but instead I decide on just being truthful and casually say, well, mom, perhaps that's because 30-year-old men were choosing to grapple with an eight-year-old girl to spar with and um, pin her and throw her to the floor so hard that she would lose her breath. That happened. I, only in the world of like the 80s and 90s would that happen. Why is a 30-year-old man picking an eight-year-old girl or a 10, 11, 12-year-old girl to grapple with? Is that the weirdest thing ever? They would literally throw me so hard that I would lose my breath. <laughs> and, but also it was gross. Cause like, why is a 30 year old man? And it would be the same guys every time picking me. There's something very fishy about that mom. Um, at the time I swore I had no malice behind it. I forgave her, right? I said it often enough, so it must be true. I saw the flash of pain in her eyes and I instantly felt guilty. I immediately apologized and told her I was sorry for the way that came out and that I didn't mean it the way it sounded. It did sound like an allegation, but I honestly didn't mean it that way. But did I? Did I draw my sword out because her obvious ignorance of what was happening to her daughter stirred an outrage deep within me because, as usual, her negligent parenting was yet again in question. And all those allegations that I thought I had worked on and buried deep in my heart were still there waiting to strike. It made me see that all that work I'd done on myself was only surface deep. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Psalms 127, 1.
The next morning, my mother comes out of her room and angrily declares that she is leaving now and that I need to take her to the airport right at this moment and that she never wants to talk to me again. I see she's obviously still upset. I apologized again and tell her, I'm sorry for the way it came out. She says she does not accept my apology and that's it. She's done with me. At first, I try and stay calm, but her cold dismissal stirs something deep and ominous within me. Once again, I'm reduced to that worthless, horrible little girl that can so easily be thrown aside and summarily dismissed. Inside, I start to boil and seethe. I want to explode and unleash all the hateful things I'm thinking. You? You're the monster. You're done with me? You're lucky you have any access in my life. You are lucky I forgave you enough to see your grandchildren. And there it is still lurking just below the surface, waiting for the moment to strike. Believe me when I say more hateful thoughts came to me, but I didn't say any of them. I quietly went to my room, grabbed my Bible, tried to pray and read. I happened to have a friend over at the time as well. I can't imagine what she must have thought. My friend went up to try and talk to my mother and play mediator. I stayed in my room with the Bible for a while. I felt lost and confused and heavy with the burden of my past. I wanted so much. Sorry. I wanted to be free. Sorry. (sighs) Oh, okay. Focus, composure. (laughs) I wanted so much to be free of all that awful baggage. I didn't expect to break down. (laughs) Okay. Deep breath. Here we go. All right. When my friend came back down to talk to me, I had been (laughs) talking to God about everything and it clicked. I was able, you know, I just got my lashes done. I can't cry. (laughs) Gotta remember that. And it clicked. Um, I was able to step outside of myself and see that my mouth was a weapon, a weapon that I had used freely and with abandon. And I was deeply ashamed of it. All the things I'd ever said that were horrible that hurt people came back to me in a flash. I was so convicted. I felt awful. (laughs) If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James 1.26. Isn't that the truth, though? (laughs) I mean, even if, like, you're not a Christian, (laughs) you're like, there's some knowledge and wisdom in that book. (laughs) It's amazing. All right, but now you must put them all away. Anger, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Colossians 3.8. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 29.11. It was the thought of using my tongue as a sword on my boys that broke my heart. I knew that if I didn't do something about it right then, I would one day use it against them. I finally saw that my mouth was not just the feisty part of me, but it was a piece of my anger. I was holding onto it and no longer served me or God. Let all the bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ, God in Christ has forgave you. I felt an overwhelming sense of shame and guilt for all the careless words that ever spilled out of my mouth. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I felt convicted and deservedly so. That painful realization made me open my eyes and see that I needed a supernatural intervener to give me grace and show me how to give his grace to others. Otherwise, forgiveness means nothing. It has to be absolute in the way that we were forgiven. 
I called my husband as he was leaving work and told him when he got home, I wanted to say the prayer to release the curses in my life. I think he was in shock because he had talked to me about it so many times before and I always declined. Later that day, my husband led me through the prayer and I released all those curses that were holding me growing up. It wasn't a short prayer or list, LOL, <laughs> seriously, but it was emotionally draining. But after I had done it, I felt a sense of peace like I'd never known. That peace has stayed with me from that day forward. My weapon has been retired. I'm still a smart mouth. I mean, like, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm just not angry. That hairpin trigger is not there anymore. It's the darndest thing that when I'm in a situation that might be contentious, I feel like the Holy Spirit is slowing everything down for me and letting me assess the moment and respond with compassion and not anger. And that was something I was not capable of prior to that day. I've truly forgiven all those past transgressions against me. I have become a quote unquote new person. That's not to say I don't get angry or that my smart mouth is completely gone. I just react differently to events that might've ignited that maelstrom of a temper. I can only attribute, wow. I can only attribute that to the Holy Spirit doing a mighty work in me. And I feel like that's because I said that prayer and I brought it all to God for the first time. I felt heard and acknowledged and validated all the things my inner forgiveness work was never able to accomplish. I'm a huge Dr. Phil fan. I mean, I don't watch him so much anymore, but I used to. <laughs> and one of my favorite quotes from him happens a lot on his television show. It's when his guests are facing off and one asks Dr. Phil in the midst of their exasperation, how many times do I have to apologize? Dr. Phil's response is usually only once if they think you mean it. I agree mostly. But if that's the truth, then letting go of the past hurt and inequities would be so much easier. If that were true, then just saying I'm sorry would be enough. But somehow it just isn't, right? I mean, sometimes you're like, yeah, at the moment, right? But then when you get upset again or you get angry about it again, it's still there somehow. The need for taking this up to God for me and releasing past cursings with this prayer would not be so powerful if it, sorry was enough. I think a more truthful adjunct to the question, how many times do I need to apologize, is only once if the hurt party feels that you understand how your words or actions made them suffer and how it made them feel. That exactly what I needed was something like justice and asking justice to be served, that's no small ask. How many people do you know are capable of being empathetic? Truly very few. Miriam Webster defines empathy as the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another of either from the past or the present without having the feelings, thoughts, and experiencing fully communicated in an objectively explicit manner. The imaginative projection of a subjective state into an object so that the object appears to be infused with it. That's no small ask. And even though I felt like I'd forgiven my mother, why would those feelings of anger well up inside me so quickly whenever she was around? Why did I have a hairpin trigger capable of going off at any time, no matter how small the infraction? I know that immediately after the prayer, I felt peace and a calm like I'd never known. It took a bit longer for me to see how God had released me from my anger and pain, but I do react differently to situations and people. A few months after saying this prayer, my husband booked a bed and breakfast for a weekend. I remember those. I'm um, just celebrate our anniversary. I usually ask for my husband to send me a copy of the receipt to my email so I can double check everything. But this time I didn't. So we arrive at the bed and breakfast later that evening. We're trying to check in and he cannot find his receipt of the payment. And the clerk can't find our reservations either. They're going back and forth. Both he and the clerk are getting frustrated. I asked to look through his emails and after some finagling, find a receipt from the bed and breakfast. I see that he has the date wrong. He actually booked it for the following weekend. 
and they were completely booked. This is normally something that would make me lose my temper and go off on him, all to willingly give him a piece of my mind. But I can't explain it. I felt the Holy Spirit put a firm hand on my shoulder, sit me down and say, this is not something you need to get angry for. He feels bad enough. I know it wasn't audible, but to me, it was. I called him over, showed him their seat, and his face said it all. He practically winced while looking at me, waiting for a reaction. I just gave him the phone with their seat in view and sat down. I think he was in shock. He started apologizing to me, and I think I told him we would figure it out. He expected me to go off, and because that's something I would have done previously. After I heard and felt the Holy Spirit tell me I didn't need to get angry about the situation, I was able to put myself in his shoes. And I did. I, hear, I heard the Holy Spirit say, he feels bad enough already. It will be fine. And it was. We were able to piecemeal the weekend, and we had a great time. The real proof was the next visit with my mother. Visits from my mother were difficult for me. I felt like I was always walking on eggshells and placating her only to spend at least an hour or two venting every night to my husband while she was there. And then even a few weeks after being emotionally drained and at my limit. This time things were different. I didn't feel angry or frustrated with her. I only felt sympathy for her. And when she would start poking at me to see if I would blow, I don't know. I just didn't. Again, I felt like the Holy Spirit was holding me back and saying, look at the whole situation. Look at the whole picture allow yourself to see who your mother really is. And what my mother was really asking for was reassurance and love. And that was something I couldn't see before because of my temper. I was being shown that I had a choice, that I could bless her and show her love, or I could curse her. Wow. There are hundreds of ways that cemented the changes this prayer had on my life and my soul, thus changing my relationship with my husband, my family, and God, all for the better. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. As God and Christ forgave you, right? Amazing. In the years since I've said this prayer, I've thought about this much and wondered why all the previous work I'd done on myself was never quite enough and why telling God out loud and asking him to release and forgive me and forgive those that cursed me released me from my baggage. I think I felt that I was finally heard and that God bore witness to my pain and suffering and that it no longer mattered if anyone else did because I know he understood. The changes that God has made in my life have been huge. He showed me that my sword of a mouth was my way of protecting myself because ultimately I didn't trust him to protect me. My fractured relationship with my parents as a child made trust a difficult issue. My inability to trust Jesus Christ to truly have my back affected my relationship with him as an adult. I think I held on to that smart mouth as a means of protection and also a means of separation. I saw that I was holding Jesus at an arm's length. I changed that day. He changed me. I saw that I no longer had to keep constant guard over my heart. Jesus sees that my heart needed protection, but that he's the protector, not me. And as long as I depend on him, I, nothing can hurt me. Or if it does, he'll put me back together. So I put down my sword and I rest in him. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 you're a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. Psalms. Psalm 32, 7. I'm so grateful that saying that prayer freed me and saved me and made me whole. So maybe my husband is onto something, but if you tell him I said that, I'll just deny it. Hey, what can I say? I'm still a work in progress. So that's that's my story, right? I mean, there's still twists and turns in there, but that's most of it. Anyway, Thank you guys so much for listening.
I appreciate it. You guys have a blessed week and we'll be back next week with another story.